Bokartov, so we did chapter three, we finished chapter three yesterday, which ended with a um, weird event in which the king of Moab took his son, or this, or it's not exactly clear what he did. They're, they're uh, differing, differing perushim on exactly what the king of Moab did. But king of Moab sees he's pretty much, he's pretty much locked in, the fi- in a city, uh, surrounded and sieged. And he makes an attempt at the king of, uh, king of Edom with 700 men. That attempt to break free fails. And he has to retreat back into the city. And then his final act is to offer his son as an offering. He slaughtered his son. And then everybody basically got disgusted and went home. For so- somehow, his, his uh, slaughtering his son worked. As a way of diffusing the war or causing the war to end. Okay? Now, what exactly did? So there's one Perush again that the reason the war had to end was because um, he caused God to recognize that Am Israel also did a lot of Abu Dazara. There's one opinion that says that. There's another opinion that says that uh, it was he was showing Boreolam that he, just like Abraham Avinu, is willing to sacrifice his son. There is another opinion that says that this actually wasn't his own son. This was the son of the king of Edom. And whenever he took his 700 men and tried to break through into the, the battalion of Edom, although he got pushed back, he still was able to walk out with the son of the king, who was supposed to reign after the king of Edom himself. And he slaughtered him as a statement of, I killed your son. And once they saw that, B'nai Israel and Edom, they got very disturbed. And the king of Edom lost his heart to fight. And they all just went back home. Okay. Either way, it's a, it's a, very, it's a very interesting event. Um, I don't know much more about the event. It's, it's a weird event. But uh, the one thing I do want to point out is that who, which Navi was featured in this war? Who, which Navi was there at the war that we know? Elisha. Elisha. Right? Because whenever they first approached and they wanted to know if they should go into battle, it was Yehoshaphat who asked Yehoram, do you have any Navim of Hashem here that we could ask to see if we should go into war? And Elisha was the one who said that you're going to get water through the flash flood and you're going to win in the battle and so on. Right. So, um, so now we're going to go back into chapter 4 to more stories, more very interesting stories about Elisha and his... His random, or not necessarily random, but his interactions with the people of the land, with like the, the normal populace of Israel. Um, one final point that I read interestingly, there is a little bit of a balance in this war against Moab. Because on the one hand, Yehoram is not, is not a good king. He's a, he's a relatively wicked king compared to the kings of Yehuda. Yet on the other hand, they're destined to win the war. So... One of the, one of the, I think it was Elchanan Samet, who's like a famous uh, Tanakh commentator, modern uh, commenta- commentator. Uh, I think he's still alive today, even. That he says, although they were destined to win the war against Moab because of Moab's, because of Moab's evil, or for whatever reason, maybe in the in the zechut of Yehoshaphat, notice that the Navi, when he told them what they should do in war told them that they should destroy every city, destroy every field, and fill the fields with stones, and cut down all the trees. Now, 
we thought that maybe that was like a scorched earth policy of war in which like you're going to destroy Moab so much that the enemy is going to be completely defeated, even their land is going to be destroyed. But he actually, the, the commentator, he actually understood it as potentially being a warning to Bnei Israel that don't, in, don't occupy this land after you conquer, <laughs> after you beat Moab. Meaning you're only allowed to live next door. Next, next door, door. You're only allowed to take over the land of Am Israel if you are deserving to live in the land. But when you're doing Abu Zarah, Borei Olam has no interest in giving you the land that you win. Okay, so that was like a very interesting take. That so meaning no that the point, the meaning the point was destroy the land and cut down all the trees and fill the farmland with rocks so that whenever you win and you kick Moab out, you're not going to go live there. Meaning, I don't want you while you're doing Abu Zarah to go and inhabit more land in Israel. It's not, it's not the, you're not good, you're not big enough tzaddik to be deserving of inhabiting, inhabiting more land in Israel. Rather, you just destroy the enemy and you're going to leave after that. So that was an interesting take uh, on the destruction of the land. Um, may we be, may we have the zikhut to actually deserve the land that we conquer. Okay, chapter Dalid, uh, Pasuk Aleph. This is uh, on to completely different matters. And there was a woman who was one of the wives of the Navi students, the Naviim, that she called out to Elisha and she said, your servant, my husband has died. And you know that your servant was, used to fear God, was a man who feared God. But we have creditors. We couldn't afford our life. And now someone lent us money. And now he's become a creditor. And he is threatening to take our two kids, meaning my two kids, I'm a widow, as his servants. And that is typical, right? That's how slavery typically happens. Whenever you borrow money from someone with the promise of returning money, and then you don't have the money to return. So what else can you give the guy? Labor. Your kids could be labor or you. Or whoever, whoever is there to do labor. Okay? All right. So this is the case of a, a poor woman who is a widow. And, uh, and she is stuck in this situation where she has a creditor chasing her. And is threatening to take her kids as, as slaves. Pazuk bet. Alisha. lach. And next door is Minyan. And he says to her, Elisha says to her, what can I do for you? Could you tell me what you have in your house? You know, what possessions do you have? Maybe, maybe he's saying what she could potentially sell to pay him off or something. And she says, I actually don't have anything in my home except for this little jar of oil. Okay? Totally broke. She's completely broke, yeah. So he says, so go to all of your neighbors, the different women in the village, and go ask for empty vessels, any vessel you could get. Yeah, don't, don't bring a lot, bring a lot of vessels. So if they have a, a cup or a jar or a bowl or whatever you can find, go borrow it from your neighbors. And then you should come home and close the door behind you and behind your kids. We need this to stay a secret. 
And then you're going to pour oil from your little jar that you have, the little uh, jar that you have. You're going to pour oil into these vessels that you're bringing from your friends. And whatever is full, then you could take and move aside. Now, what's the problem with that? She only has one jar of oil. So how many vessels is she going to fill? One, maybe two? Okay. How big are these vessels? Also? I don't know, but they're, she's bringing a lot of them. Okay. And then she goes away. She brings back the vessels. She closes the door behind her and her sons. And they are bring her, the sons bring her the vessel and she's pouring. And it was after the vessels were filled, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said at one point, after they finished all of the vessels, he said, there's no more vessels left. So the oil stopped. So she comes and she says to the, the man of God, Elisha, and, he, and he, he, she tells him what occurred, that the, the oil was able to fill all of the vessels. And he says to her, go sell all of the oil that you just produced. And you will be able to pay your creditor that way. And then you and your kids, your boys, will live on the remaining money. Okay, so basically what just happened in the story, uh, similar to the Hanukkah story, and although the Hanukkah story is not in the Tanakh, obviously, uh, the oil lasted for a lot longer. The oil in the jar that she had, there was a miracle that it kept pouring oil and it did not finish. And it was able to fill up many, many, many vessels. Um, and she was able to fill up all the vessels, sell the oil from the vessels, pay off her creditor, and that's how she was. And then she was able to live on the rest of the money. So, what's interesting about this story? That there was a miracle of oil. Yeah, of course, it's a miracle of oil, but I'm not thinking of Hanukkah references right now. Um, no, I'm, saying else. I'm trying to compare this story potentially to Eliyahu Navi. If you remember that whenever Eliyahu Navi, whenever he started the drought, he um, went to the lady and then he asked her for bread and he said, give me a piece of the bread first. He said, how much bread do you have? She said, I have this much. He said, go bake it and then give me a piece of it. And then there was a miracle that he was able to give her more, right? But, but the, he, he asked for it and we saw there was like a little bit of a weird situation in which... It seems like Eliyahu is not necessarily realizing the concern for the people and he's not overly concerned for the people. And then whenever we first learned about Elisha, we said the first thing he did was kiss his parents goodbye and then slaughter an ox for the whole city so the whole city partook in a meal. And I said, oh, there's a difference between Elisha and Eliyahu and that Eliyahu seems to not be so in tune with the people. He's a little bit disconnected from the people. And Elisha really, really cares. Um, here's another story of Elisha very much caring. Uh, the deeper meaning behind this, uh, maybe we'll look into it a little bit tomorrow and we'll go into the, the deeper meaning of the story of the oil a little bit tomorrow. Um, and then we get to a very, very interesting story after that about Elisha with a woman from Isha Shunamit and her child that almost died and Elisha brings him back to life. Again, also a story that we've seen Paralleled with Eliyahu Navi. Okay, so we'll do that tomorrow. Also, Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem. Amen. 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 Amen.